What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt here. A huge weekend of football to get you ready for. The Knicks with a massive win last night, 122 to 84, as they beat the defending champions in the Denver Nuggets on their home court. Uh, great start to the weekend. If you consider Thursday a weekend, I'll consider Thursday a weekend. Matt, how's this weekend beginning for you as we record at 2 o'clock on this Friday afternoon? I'm doing all right. Uh, I, you might not agree. I'm just kind of grateful that it started to heat up a little bit. Uh, the weather or the, the, the weather. season? The weather. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know me. I'm, I, I like being cold. So, uh, you know, I don't really mind the 17 degree, uh, you know, walks out to my car, my, my 10 steps and 17 degrees. I think I can withstand. Yeah. Whatever. The, tell me this. Now this is get, obviously getting off topic, but like I, I went to Arizona last year, right. Or a couple of years ago and I'm like flying over, you know, as we're landing in, it's all like desert and whatnot. And like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, like, there's just no way that, like, our ancestors just, like, walked across the country, like, barefoot in, like, the zero-degree weather through the mountains to, like, expand. There's just no way. Am, am I off yeah. on that? No, you're – I think you are off on that, but I have a, a <laughs> funny story. My my. So this isn't even ancestors. This is pretty recent. Uh, my dad was telling ancestors me – Ancestors, Last night, he was telling me that his father, um, you know, uncles, all that, they would all go to work at the same plant or whatever it was, and they would all walk to work, but they would hold their shoes in their hands on the way to work as not to mess up their shoes. And then they would put them on when they got there, take them off, walk back home barefoot. So, um, yeah, the, the the world was kind of a joke about 100 years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, some might call it a joke. Some might just say that's just when men were men. <laughs> yeah, yeah <So>. true. <laughs> But uh, speaking about when men were men, the Knicks, since the OGN Nobi trade, 11-2. Uh, the NBA seems to be the darling. All, every podcast that I listen to it has just been, uh, what do the kids say, glazing the Knicks nowadays. And uh, it, it's I think it's rightfully so. Again, 122-84. They beat the Nuggets before they even stepped down to the court yesterday. And it was it was clinical. It was surgical. OGN and Nobi's presence, it has never been more uh, relevant than it was last night. I mean, he was giving Jamal Murray fits. He switches on to Aaron Gordon. He switches on to Jokic every other play. I mean, he's guarding one through five on the NBA champions. Uh, if I'm the Knicks and I'm, or if I'm Tom Thibodeau and I'm an, I am a Knicks fan, I'm looking at this and I can't do anything but smile and be happy about it. Yeah. It seems like the Knicks were kind of like, all right, well, we'll let Jokic get his. Yeah. A little bit. Kind of clamped down the rest of the team. In the first quarter, yeah, Jokic was uh, – he had that uh, highlight play with the the pass behind his head. He had – you know, he was making this shot, that tip in. He was around every rebound. And it was it was very impressive. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to say the, the Knicks are better than the Nuggets, although they did beat them by, you know, close to 40 points last night. I, I'd like to see them in a, in a playoff series. But, you know, one, one thing that kind of I've noticed about the Knicks is – you can put kind of whoever, whoever their opponent, whether it be, you know, the, the meme that the Wizards are or, you know, the defending champions that the Nuggets are. The way the Knicks play kind of just knocks you off your game plan because they're so physical and it's so different from other teams. Like like last night, for instance, I watched the the Knicks game. And then after the Knicks game, I'm watching the Lakers against the Bulls. And like it was almost a different sport. The, the defensive intensity that the Knicks play with. 
the physicality that the Knicks play with. I mean, you you even see guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis who look superstars, all time greats. Sure, I'm not going to take anything away from them, but in the modern NBA, with all the you know pseudo flopping and just just driving to get calls. If you play a team that, you know, is just going to be physical with you regardless of if you're doing that or not, it throws you off your your game plan a little bit. And I think that's what the the Knicks have going for them. How much are the Knicks changing your bottom line of your expectations for the Knicks this year just on like a night in, night out basis? Well, there's good question. And there's two different answers I have to it. One is. During the regular season, I, I now am at the point where I think the Knicks can beat any team on any given night. And I think that last night kind of showed that they, that's very true. I mean, not only did they beat the Nuggets, they they beat them. They ran them out of the gym. My problem is, and if you remember a couple of years ago, pre-Brunson, when Randall had his great year, it, we, it was the same song and dance where we yep. said, the you know, the Knicks are so good defensively. They play with such intensity. Thibodeau has their guys playing hard, this, this, and that. And anytime a great team would take a night off, the Knicks would capitalize, win that game. They wound up with probably a higher seed than they should have. That doesn't feel like this team now. It, it, so it doesn't. But the problem I have is is this. And I think that it's it's no secret that NBA teams now are not taking the regular season as serious as they they may once have. Right? You, I think everyone would agree on that. Yeah. The thing, I, the thing I have a problem with or the thing I'm kind of fearful of is that I think that let's say let's just say last night was game one of the NBA finals just for shits and gigs and the Knicks were home against the Nuggets. Let's just say I think the Nuggets in a playoff series with time to prepare and not, you know, the the fourth game in five days for them or whatever it was. I think that that you get a different Nuggets team and you get a different every team in in a playoff series where they have time to prepare. And I think that what the Knicks do now is they kind of almost like shock teams with how physical they are and get them off their game plan so much that it'll work in the regular season when there's time to prepare and you're seeing teams for, you know, the fourth straight game, third straight game. I'm, I'm curious to see how that will work going down the stretch when, you know, maybe Jokic can prepare for a more physical matchup. Maybe Jamal Murray can prepare for a more physical matchup instead of again, four games in five days and getting a, I want to say a cheap win, but a, a win where the Nuggets' legs were not 100% under them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I agree with you, whereas now in the NBA, it is tough to gauge, let's say the Knicks, for instance, just you know exactly how far away the Knicks are. I think we're going to be able to have a much better grasp on that after we see how they deal with uh, playoff teams in a series. Yeah, and then again, you know, another another big win or big game coming up this weekend for the Knicks. They play the Heat on Saturday. He just make a big deal for Terry Rozier that the Knicks seem to be kind of lukewarm on that uh, that trade front as well. I, I've been kind of saying in, in some of my you know just friend circles and basketball circles that uh, the result of that trade will probably end up being Kyle Lowry being bought out. And as a bench piece or down the line in the playoffs, I would love to have Kyle Lowry on the team. You, you can give me any number he wants or any number you want on Lowry and how he's some, I think there was a stat that he's like statistically been the worst player in the NBA over the last month or whatever. I'll take Kyle Lowry with championship pedigree, like years and years of playoff experience, years and years of just being a veteran. Um, and I'll, I'll take him on the Knicks any day of the week, even if it's just in some of the smallest roles you could think of. So just, just throwing that out there, but yeah, big, uh, big game against the heat on Saturday. Uh, I'll always, you know, quote unquote rivalry rivalry week, like we kind of detailed, but um, it's an exciting time to be a Nick fan.
Yeah, well, speaking of rivalry week, let me shift gears to hockey real quick. And if you haven't seen it yet, just at some point in this in this episode, get back to me. So are you aware of the NHL? They do their – it's almost like a pseudo rivalry week where they do their stadium series. They play the outdoor games, so City Field, Yankee Stadium, MetLife. Very aware, yes. Right. So, you know, they will – uh, introduce new uniforms for that game every year. The Rangers have had have had some really uh, sweet ones uh, over the past couple of years. Have you seen this year's additions for Rangers, Devils, Islanders? And then I wanted to gauge your opinion on them because the Rangers, Devils ones, both, I think they're both clean. Like I, I would buy both of those. The Islanders um, one, maybe not so much, but I really do like the Ranger one this year. I saw the Rangers and the Islanders once. Yeah, yeah. Not the double, the, the doubles is just the logos in black or whatever. But I, I think they're all pretty sweet. I, I, I would buy them. Yeah, I, I, I love. I mean, speaking of jersey news, if we want to get into that a little bit, uh, the the biggest the NHL, jersey news of the week. NHL is the only one that does it right. Sorry, continue. No, I, that I, I think I agree. I, lo- I love a good hockey jersey. I think they're even just from a, a style perspective. I think it's just yeah. A nice I, I just feel like when they introduce new additions, like they're usually hits. Whereas the NBA will miss 80% of the time. A lot of the City Connect jerseys in the MLB are cash grabs. I think the NHL has, has a good thing going with the uh, limited edition sweaters. Yeah, and and it's not like they just removed a simple white line and, and the whole fan base raised, right? Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, uh, enough jersey news for the day. Any other any thoughts, final thoughts on the Knicks before we obviously get into uh, the, the big championship weekend in the NFL? Uh, no, just let's go Knicks, man. Yeah, let's let's go Knicks. Hashtag Knicks tape. Hashtag uh, we're here. What was the what else was there? Any other cringe Knicks hashtags that they were back in like the 2013 days that you remember? Uh, Lynn Sanity. No, off top of Lynn Sanity. Uh, Knicks tape was fine, I guess. The you worst know, one ever. Not not to not to bring up the NHL again, but the worst one I've ever seen. Like a team hashtag was the Rangers a couple years ago introduced hashtag play like a New Yorker. And I don't even know what that means. I think the Knicks should adopt that one. Yeah. What were you saying? Um, the, I think one of the funnier things is you ever see like uh, whether it's I've seen it like from gambling influencers or just like memes on uh, Twitter. But when people say like, oh, like, for instance, we're, we're talking about football, like someone would say, oh, Lamar Jackson's insanity run is over. I think that is hilarious. that Yeah. Say stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But speaking of Lamar Jackson. Let's let's start right there. The AFC Championship, Chiefs at Ravens. This is I said it last week about the Bills. It lived up to it. This is a heavyweight bout that everyone will be watching, and I think it is. There's so many intriguing storylines. I mean, just off the top, right? Yeah. A couple well, of things uh, about the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs will, if they win, they'll have won their sixth straight AFC title game. Or sorry, this is their sixth straight AFC title game, and that is the longest streak only behind the Patriots from 2011 to 2018 and probably still continuing. So Chiefs being here, impressive in itself, win, lose, or draw. 100%. And then the second thing I wanted to bring up was, as for Mahomes, was if Mahomes gets a win, he will move – and this is unbelievable. I couldn't believe I read this. If he wins, he will move into third place in a tie among some others for most playoff wins. How crazy is that? In in such a short period of time, it really is insane. You know, we joked on the last episode, kind of gatekeeping the success of all the other AFC AFC teams. Well, that's what the Patriots did for so long. And the Chiefs are doing it at a more efficient rate and more early than New England ever did. And that's really the 
you know, the comparable dynasty here, everything the Chiefs are doing, every stat you get, right? So uh, Travis Kelsey might uh, pass Gronk, right, in terms of uh, touchdowns from Tom Brady, touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes. That's absurd. I don't care how much more you throw the ball or whatever. It feels like we watched the Patriots do that in the playoffs for 20 years. And now yeah. the, the Chiefs are here breaking records. It makes no sense. And I think it's – you're right. I and mean, something you said there that was pretty key is, you know, it, to me, it kind of doesn't matter whether you're throwing the ball more now in the NFL and there's more passing in the NFL. Like, like tell me if I, you disagree with this, but, you know, Joel Embiid scores 70 points the other night. And I'm watching, and he takes, like, you know, 20-some free throws, and I'm like, no, that's not the same as, like, you know, Kobe dropping 80 – was it 81? Like, he, he's – when Kobe dropped 81, he was he was – shooting you know almost every time and making almost every time it's a little different in the nba but where i'm going to kind of disagree with myself and disagree with that stance is i think that in the nfl i wouldn't even say it's it might be even like more impressive that that's the case especially with the the way that free agency works and the way that guys just don't play for the same teams you know for years and years and years like gronk and brady did it's rare and it's going to be a stat that like like you said, the the Kelsey Mahomes um, connection. It's going to be a stat that I think kind of gets buried, but that is just wildly impressive to me. Yeah, especially because, you know, we get it. They, they play a different brand of offense. But to set all these sort of playoff records, you have to make playoff runs. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't let anyone else do that. So we can call it easier today and all that. Why aren't Josh Allen and Diggs doing that? You know, why why isn't Burrow doing that with Jamar Chase? Like, it, it's it's still impressive. Yeah, and and you're right. It's if if it was so easy and it was so you know oh just the times are changing and the the the, the game is changing and there's more passing and so it's it's less impressive that they're doing that. If that was the case, you're right. There would be more people that would would be having said records and whatnot. And yeah. uh, maybe maybe this is just the first of many that are due to the, the game changing and receivers putting up uh, ridiculous numbers year in and year out and whatnot, or quarterbacks throwing for more yards. Like the, the, there was a stat of. Wasn't like Drew Brees, like the all-time leader in like 5,000-yard passing seasons or something? Yeah, yeah. Or like something something like that. But I like something like that, a stat like that, I, I can get behind. You know, well, obviously that'll get beaten because quarterbacks are just passing the ball more. But at the end of the day, it's still a 100-yard field no matter what way you slice it. Yeah, 100%. So, um, I, I do want to I I start things with the Ravens here because we did get big news today. Uh, my once-beloved Mark Andrews is activated. Yeah, crazy. Big, so does that big scare help. you, you know, with what the Ravens have been able to do and the way that Isaiah likely has fit into the offense so, you know, seemingly perfectly? We don't really know anything about the Mark Andrews role yet. We probably won't with all the gamesmanship that goes around nowadays. But do you kind of uh, fear that of adding such a, a big piece back into your offense when you're kind of rolling? Well, uh, the only – I don't want to say fear, right? You know, because I, I think that the Ravens – are they they run everything through Lamar Jackson right it's it's if he's playing well they're playing well and if he's you know not playing well again they can't move the ball down the field it's not like he has Mark Andrews is great a stud tight end but I wouldn't say he's like a game breaker like you know he's not going to be if your quarterback you know needs a pickup Mark Andrews isn't necessarily the guy that's going to do that but but I think Isaiah likely has been a game breaker of late and that's kind of where the concern comes from oh you're saying you're saying concern for the Ravens yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm just saying. Do you, when you're rolling like that, do you do you kind of worry about adding, you know, replacing an Isaiah likely with a Mark Andrews? I'm not really sure how the usage is going to work out. Um, good question. 
I think that if I had to really, really guess, I feel like, you know, given the, the injury and given the, the amount of time and how, I guess, kind of surprisingly he'd been activated, I would say that I'd be stunned to see Mark Andrews deployed in his normal role, we'll say. Like, I think he'll be maybe on the field as like a decoy here, maybe only using in the red zone uh, as, for like red zone packages and whatnot. Um, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see how they use them or use him. But, but no, I think that if anything, he's like, what is Mark Andrews as a player, right? He's been Lamar's safety blanket and goal line guy for, you know, X amount of years, however long they've been together. And I think that that's not a role, like, again, I'm not saying he's not a game breaker and doesn't have impact, but Mark Andrews isn't like a guy that you're building your offense around. Like, like, let me, I'll, let me, I'll frame it like this. I think Debo being active for the 49ers is way more than, Mark Andrews being active for the Ravens, like in terms 100%. of value to the game. hundred percent. Yeah. So just a little bit of a, a frame of, of mine there, but for the Ravens, a couple of things that I had kind of written down in this game and just some of my, my thoughts and doing some digging in terms of matchups to whatnot. Um, I kind of gave him his praise last week, but uh, Kyle Hamilton on the defense, all pro safety. It'll be interesting to see. He's been a disruptor all year. I kind of outlined the play against the 49ers where uh, he, pressures Brock Purdy and then comes up at the pick at the back end of the same play. Uh, he's been a presence. He's a long, lanky, physical safety. And I think the real matchup to watch this week on that, on the Ravens side of the ball is him when he lines up on, or when Travis Kelsey lines up on his side. And if the chiefs are just going to choose to just run things away from Kyle Hamilton, he, he's more of like a, a tweener where he goes in the box and he isn't more so like a cover safety, mm-hmm. but I think if you line him up on a Travis Kelsey, that can give the Chiefs some problems because you know you're not going to win your jump balls with Travis Kelsey like that. You're not going to you're not going to really overpower a guy like Kyle Hamilton with his size and and his athletic ability with a Travis Kelsey like you would other safeties. So that's that's just one matchup I'd like to get your thoughts on in terms yeah. of the Ravens defense against and stopping I guess just Travis Kelsey and Mahomes. Yeah, I, I think uh, another reason that's such a huge matchup is uh, when you talk about his size. We've seen Travis Kelsey struggle anytime there's commotion at the line, right? If you can disrupt Travis Kelsey at the line, uh, then you can be effective and and you can limit Travis Kelsey. And I think Kyle Hamilton would be the guy to do that. I'm not assuming they're going to run that. I'm not assuming that he's going to follow them all around the field. But uh, if we, you know, if we did hit that on the head and that's a real matchup here, then I think that that's the most effective, uh, that's the most effective option for the Ravens as it, you know, when it comes to Travis Kelsey, because, you know, Travis Kelsey might be like we kind of compared him to Stanton last year. He might be someone you have to worry about again. You know, someone who's kind of turning it on right now. Yeah, and he, it's always just the fear of of him having a game like last week, where like we just kind of said about Mark Andrews. You know, five for seventy five is a great game for a tight end, all things considered. But when we've seen like prime Travis Kelsey games where he's going, you know, six or seven for one twenty five. I'm pretty sure he had like a two hundred yard game one time. I mean, the guy in in his heyday was a true game breaker. Now it's more so he's deployed, I guess, sparingly uh, in terms of, you know, just centering the offense around. But you're right. He is something that you're always going to have to worry about. Um, On the defense for – or kind of sticking to the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, I think that Isaiah Pacheco in this game uh, has to find the – you know, get the ball rolling, I'll say. I think that not necessarily having one – uh, 
having one big rush and then, you know, like people criticize Saquon Barkley about where that would be one big rush and then like one yard, two yard, one yard, two yard. I think they got to consistently pound the ball with, with Pacheco, keep the Ravens offense off the field. And one thing about the Ravens is uh, this isn't really like a concern, but more so just something that I've, I've noticed that just because they've been so good that they haven't really played from behind too much. So I think that if the Chiefs can can get, you know, score first, get the ball and put a little bit of pressure on the Ravens, you can not only knock out the, the, the stands or the fans for a, a little bit, but I think you can get the Ravens playing in a way that they really haven't done too much all year. Yeah, I think what you said was a great point. The, the Chiefs are going to have to 100% establish a running game against Baltimore because – you know, you mentioned trying to keep Baltimore off the field. Well, Baltimore does that better than anyone on offense. I mean, you know, a three-headed monster backfield. I mean, your quarterback is averaging 100 rushing yards a game. It's absurd. They keep offenses off the field. So if the Chiefs can't really match that and run a balanced offense, and we're kind of seeing the Ravens, you know, pick up first downs with their legs like they always do, I think the Chiefs might be in some trouble if Patrick Mahomes is sitting watching that from the sideline especially if there's a couple of those three and outs where maybe there's a drop, maybe there's a miscommunication, maybe they're throwing it way too much. I think that could definitely mean trouble for the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and you're right. You said it. I mean, you can kind of say the same thing for the Ravens as well, where or the I guess you could say the same for both sides where, you know, you want to get out to a lead because obviously, you know, playing from behind to obviously put your put yourself at a big disadvantage. That's just an obvious stance there. But I think the way that these teams operate, like you're more confident in in Mahomes coming back from being down than a Lamar Jackson led offense because that's just the nature of what the Chiefs do. Yeah, and it's also the nature of really any questions that anyone could still have about Lamar Jackson is, you know, maybe you don't trust him in the playoffs and maybe he's not a quarterback that's going to bring you back from behind because he doesn't have the arm to do it. Those are the questions that uh, we're kind of hoping that Lamar answers. Yeah, and and so I guess we're, we're flipping to the – flipping the ball a little bit with the Ravens on offense. The the big thing I'm looking for this week is, you know, the, against the Texans, the the Texans really tried to blitz Lamar, really tried to put pressure on him, and that clearly didn't work. The The Texans were uh, – obviously, I think I said that the game felt a lot closer than the actual score was. I think it was tied at halftime. But the, the thing I want to see from the Chiefs is, can Chris Jones and this defensive line get to Lamar without having to send any other pressure and being able see, to that kind of hold your ground? I'm glad you mentioned that because I was I was going to bring up, you know, Chris Jones and company kind of coming after Lamar. Do you even try to get to Lamar or are we just kind of staying at the line of scrimmage and just trying to contain as, as much as we can? Because, I mean, how many times do we see a team send an all-out blitz and Lamar's already 15 yards down the field? It, it's actually like – it's like the stuff that we see happen to the Jets where it makes you want to claw your eyes out. It's frustrating. That's what Lamar does to teams. Do you even bother – trying to, you know, knock Lamar down a few times in this game? Or are you just trying to play smart defense and just spread the line of scrimmage? Well, it, it's it's interesting because earlier in Lamar's career, you could probably have said, yeah, you know, we'll just sit back and we'll let him make mistakes or we'll, we'll try and get him to make mistakes and gamble on him. I mean, there's things you can do in the secondary in terms of like robber coverages, in terms of like, uh, you know, mixing up man disguises and whatnot, much more in-depth talk. But I think the, the thing that the Chiefs can do in this game that I don't want to say no other team has been able to is, you know, sometimes people will say the best defense is a good offense, right? And, and the problem that the, the Ravens could run into here is, you know, yeah, you could find yourself 
getting down to the red zone, and they've been really good in the red zone this year. But, you know, field goals aren't going to win this game, where in the past, you know, kind of like the bend, don't break mentality. But in the past, it's been our Ravens can dominate the ball, uh, the time possession. And then even if they don't score, it's not like you have, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time about to come out into the field and try and score in X amount of time. We've seen Patrick Mahomes march down the field in 13 seconds to to score uh, a game tying field goal. So I think that the problem that the Ravens are going to run into is I don't want to say getting too complacent, but if if they find themselves, you know, Justin Tucker's great. He's obviously an under underrated weapon, even as great as he is. Uh, the fact that he, you know, you get to you get past the fifty yard line, you're pretty much putting three points on the board is unbelievably uh, valuable to a team. But I think that there there's going to be a point where the Ravens are going to have like a fourth and three at like the 30 yard line. And they're going to have to make a decision. Do we want to go for seven because Mahomes is on the other side of the field or are we okay with putting up three and, and just banking on our defense, not allowing them to put up a touchdown. And I think yeah. that that's a, that's a, a situation that no other quarterback other than Mahomes kind of presents. Yeah. I think I would agree. At least left of, of this group. Yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, can can the Chiefs get to Lamar on a, on a base rush? And then the the only thing, other thing I had to say about, I guess you know, playing Lamar Jackson is, I feel like teams, and this might not be necessarily like the the most you know in depth thing that I've looked into statistically, but I feel like teams are allow him to just get out of the pocket too much, where you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know close him off and not let him move at all. Like he can move around a little bit in the pocket, but at the end of the day, if he's, if he's stuck in the pocket with people around him, he's, I think that he's a lot less dangerous than when he's outside the pocket with maybe one guy chasing after him, a guaranteed five yards in front of him. And he could also survey the field and look for a a deep pass down the field. I think that if you keep him in the pocket, even if it's like a, I would say like a cautionary rush, but like more so like a funnel into the pocket, and t- just tell your, you know, your defensive ends, look, you just don't let him get outside of you. We'll we'll let him take those little five yard rushes at the middle of the field. We'll let him take those little, you know, three yards uh, rush and then slide down for and get touched. We'll, we'll take those. I just think that letting him get outside of the pocket is is going to be a very very early indication of how this game can go. And if if early on, if we see Lamar being able to break down the pocket, getting outside the pocket, get looking, being able to have more time outside the pocket and looking down the field than he would normally in the pocket. I think the the chiefs could be in for a long day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where the problem arises when we talk about, you know, trying to get to Lamar Jackson because he's going to extend plays no matter what, uh, which is going to lead to him being outside the pocket. So it's just a matter of, do you want him outside the pocket all day or, or do you want to let him sit back and try to pick you apart? Because we've seen him do both. Yeah, and he's he's great at doing both. Look, I'm, it's it's kind of it's you know picking your poison there, honestly. But it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs deal with that. And again, you know the their the Chiefs defense has kind of been an undersung, uh, good, really good squad this whole year. Uh, this is obviously going to be their biggest test in a, in a huge game against the presumptive league MVP. Um, and I think uh, anything else you want to get on this game in terms of X's and O's because we got to make our picks for each of these games. Uh, no, I am ready to make picks. Um, I guess I'll go first, being that uh, you are in the lead. This is a really tough pick to make because 
you know, if if you're thinking Ravens, it's just tough. How do you go against Patrick Mahomes? I kind of learned my lesson last week, right? I took the Bills. I said, if you ever play the Bills again, I'm not picking against you. So it is really tough to look at this game and make a decision after Mahomes is kind of, you know, uh, asserting his dominance on the entire conference again. But at the risk of making the same mistake, uh, Baltimore has been too impressive. I think, you know, they're in Baltimore. So we talked about maybe the Chiefs being, you know, a little playoff fraudulent. You know, the Dolphins game weather-wise, the Bills being a little beat up on defense. I don't see any of that in this game. As a matter of fact, I only see the Ravens getting a little bit more healthy. And they've just been the better team all year. So I'm trying not to get cute with it. And I'm going to take Baltimore minus three and a half at home. And that will be your one or two point play. That's going to be my one point play. One point play Ravens. And I'm, I'm going to flip you on this. And I think that uh, I'm going to be on the chiefs uh, three and a plus three and a half. I like them to win outright. Um, do I be ballsy and do I pick them as an underdog? That's the question I'm floating around my mind. With a uh, lead, with the lead you have, I'm not sure it's worth it. But if you want to just be that guy, go for it. I, I'm, but I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm kind of thinking, just you know, lay it all out there. I think I, I could kind of, I don't want to say seal this at a, you know, a week before the Super Bowl because you can obviously catch up to me. But do I make it spicy? Nah, we'll 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 let this see another day. I'm taking the Chiefs plus two and a half. Uh, that's going to be my two point play though. So I'm going to put a big a big amount the, the larger amount on that. Um, I just think, you, you know, you said it yourself in, in picking the Ravens, you said to yourself, how many times are you going to burn yourself by picking against Patrick Mahomes? So yeah. uh, I'll take the, I'll take the chiefs with the points. Um, and I think taking them with the points obviously allows me to cover uh, if they win, if the Ravens win by a field goal. So I have that option as well, which is not the craziest thing given we just saw last week's game uh, come down to a field goal difference. So I'm on the Chiefs uh, plus three and a half. You're on the Ravens minus three and a half. So that'll be a, definitely an intriguing game for obviously for NFL reasons and obviously for the pick session, uh, pick segment reasons. That, but, that half point is so killer because I mean, we just talked about it. How many times we've seen Mahomes march down the field, force overtime. And then usually after that, we're talking about a three point deficit kind of final score. So that that half point swing is tough. And if you're betting this game, I would probably recommend you buy that point, that half point back. I mean, if the Ravens, you take the Ravens minus three. Yeah. 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 No, that's they, they call it the hook. Yep. So, um, all right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, the NFC championship, the lions head to San Francisco and play the 49ers where they are seven point favorites. Uh, last I saw the 49ers are, uh, the biggest the biggest question mark of this game is is the health of Debo Samuel, I think. And I think it's clear and obvious. Uh, Shanahan said earlier this week he was 50-50. He practiced in a limited fashion yesterday. Uh, it, it seems like he's trending in the right direction to be on the field, I'll say. Uh, at what percent Debo will be remains to be seen. But, I mean, we said it in the last episode, you know, this is the NFC Championship, dude. If your shoulder's attached, you're playing. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess the percentage of Demo Samuel is really going to matter because, I mean, I, I feel like we, we'd be doing ourselves a disservice to not go back and look at the game against the Packers where the, the 49ers really should have lost that game. So if they come out and have a very similar performance, and again, they were home last week, if they have a similar performance, I have to think the Lions are going to get you, right? 
Yeah, and we when we were not impressed by the 49ers without Debo. So if the if the Lions can play like they've been playing the last, you know, couple weeks from actually well for most of the season, I I think it's definitely uh, I think the Lions can definitely win this game. And I I don't think it's a it's a crazy uh a crazy idea to think that they definitely belong here. I don't want to going to probably tilt my hand on this. I think 7 points is just way too much. Um and, and I think that the Lions are the only thing I think the Lions have going against them, I'll say, is they are a dome team that is now playing their second game in three months outdoors. And the last game they played outdoors was against the Ravens, and they got absolutely ran out of the building. Yeah. So uh, that's I mean, if you want to you want to take the the Forty Nine ers side of this, you know, Debo or no Debo, I think you have the obviously you're at home, so you have that there going for you. But just the, the field conditions. Did, did you see those quotes about uh, that Bill Parcells gave earlier this week about the field? No. So he literally, I it, I shouldn't have even brought it up because it's so silly, but his advice to the Dan Campbell was uh, wear, wear the right shoes to tell his team. Okay, great. Thank you, Bill Parcells. Yes, thanks, Bill, in all, in all your wisdom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he, he – I thought that, that was kind of funny. Um, and, and I think that – for for the Lions, right? Let's 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 start with them. I think it's they have so many weapons on their offense, right? And it's really Jared Goff is is just really a, a great point guard that has kind of just been uh, distributing the ball perfectly this whole year. I mean, Amon Ra has been great. Laporta has been has put up rookie records at a tight end. Gibbs and, and Montgomery, arguably the best one two in the entire league. And I think that it starts with the run game. We we were critical of of a couple of parts of the Lions game last week where Gibbs and Montgomery, you know, they were able to have effective runs. They just didn't run the ball a lot. And I think that in a, in an environment like the 49ers, you know, in, in San Francisco with that, uh, you know, pedigree of a team, you're going to have to establish the run and you're very, very fully equipped to do so. Do you worry more about just the fact that this Lions offense as stacked as they are, are playing against, you know, the best unit they've seen all year? Or do you think that the play style of the Lions, you know, you just called Jared Goff a point guard, you know, they they dish it all around the field, they get the ball out of his hands quick, and they don't really allow any commotion in the backfield. Do you think that lends to Lions' success? Or do you think the 49ers, you know, potentially being able to really shut down anyone's running game on any given day, do you think that makes you lean more Niners in terms of that matchup, right, Lions offense going up against the Niner defense. Well, uh, the thing that the Lions do well is they they're able to hit you from the outside runs and the inside runs, right? Because so you, you kind of have to stop all sort of different running attacks with them, and it's not just like you know when you play a team like like the Packers, let's say, right, with no with no AJ Dillon, they only really had like the speed rush, and and Aaron Jones had played a great game and, and was unstoppable that day. But what the Lions present is interesting because they're able to get outside the tackles and run those stretch plays with Gibbs and and run those you know outside handoffs with Gibbs and then they're able to pound it inside with uh, David Montgomery and I think that the the what the Lions do great in their run game and I think what they are going to need to do great here is they're going to have to keep stealing possessions I call it and what that is is you know when you get past like the forty yard line or even when you're at the fifty yard line. You're calling plays in in a four down play calling style, right? Where you get to fourth and two at the forty six yard line, you're going for it because you have David Montgomery who should get you two yards every single time he touches the ball. And I think that 
that is something that the 49ers have not seen. But again, that that's assuming that the Lions offense is rolling, which against this 49ers defense is much easier said than done. Yeah, I am interested to see how aggressive the Lions are, especially when it comes to, you know, going for it versus not going for it. Because, I mean, week to week, it's really like Dan Campbell's just on coke. <laughs> it's well, I agree. He He's, you know, he's America's coach, we'll say. But he uh, he's I kind of love the aggressiveness that he plays with. And oh, I, I do, I too. I don't, that, have, I don't have a problem with it. I, I wish I think that more teams should definitely look into it like there's forget like you know they always put like little boxes at the bottom of the screen where it says oh the analytics say go the analytics say kick i i think that you just kind of have to go on the game feel of it right like if you're it's it's way different having you know being let's say you get first and 10 and you get eight yards and then you have two failed plays it's way different in that sense going for it for, on a fourth and two than you doing you know, three straight running plays, it's fourth and two, but you've ran the ball three yards every time. The fourth time, you, sh- you should be able to run the ball for at least that yard. And I think that Dan Campbell is, while he gets, I guess, criticized for being very aggressive from time to time, I think he's, like, wisely aggressive. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, when like you was talking about those graphics, when it says what the analytics say, it says go for it. I'm always kind of surprised at how high the percentage of go for it's you'll see, because it's kind of like, okay, so before, you know, the wave of analytics, were we just all punting for no reason for a hundred years? It's interesting uh, that think, analytics yeah. killed baseball, but it makes football more fun to watch. Well, a, a much bigger argument, but you could probably say it kills, yeah. it's killing basketball as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I think that, uh, you're right. I think that a lot of times I'm, I'm watching the game and it's, it'll say like, you know, go for it or not. And I'm always, not always, but I'm like, really? Like, is that really like, the, is that how the math works out? Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, again, it's, it's a very much a, I mean, Dan Campbell played, so he understands the feel of the game and the game flow and, and whatnot and how matchups work. And I think for his team, you know, you line up, if you line up Gibson and Montgomery in the backfield with Amon Ra and Laporta on opposite sides of each other, you have that is just weapon on weapon on weapon, and that's like stopping four different weapons with real viable weapons at once. And uh, I think it's I think it, pre- it presents an interesting matchup for 49ers defense that has been good, right? They're, I'm not gonna come here and say that they're a bad unit or they're not a good unit, but I think that it, it it's something that they haven't seen so much yet, right? Like when they played the, the Ravens. I mean, it was just the Lamar Jackson show. They were able to run the ball up and down the field, and they just kind of dominated them in that fashion. I think the Lions can play very much like I said earlier in the season about like when the Eagles were rolling. The Lions can play the physical game. They can play the speed game, and they can play the just surgical march down the field game with with Goff and, uh, again, Laporta and Amon Ra. And it's it's tough to guard that many weapons. Yeah, yeah. Um, You want to get into picks for this? Well, let me just – I had a couple couple points I wanted to bring up for um, for the 49ers side of this on, on offense. And I think that one thing that I saw, and I don't know if it's a red flag or whatnot, but obviously last week was a little bit of a rainy game for the 49ers and, and Brock Purdy. And, you know, he was clearly had was struggling with the rain and the elements and whatnot. It looks like it's going to be 70 and sunny in uh, Santa Clara on Sunday. So it, it should be – it should be okay. Um in terms of that but where where i'm interested to see is dan campbell again 
a former player in himself. He understands the the pressure of you know the playoffs and understands that uh, a guy like Brock Purdy, who is realistically anything less than you know getting to the Super Bowl, I think for this 49ers team would be a bit of a disappointment given the, the season that they had. And I think that what Dan Campbell is going to do, and I can kind of see him almost taking a note from the Ravens in this, you, you're going to have to bring the pressure on Purdy and get the ball out of his hands. It's a totally different story playing Lamar Jackson, but if, if you can pressure Purdy, I think I can I can say with just have, having watched Purdy enough that he's he's not bad under pressure, but he's not as good under pressure as, he, as other guys are. And I think that Dan Campbell and, and the Lions probably know that and recognize that and saw the Ravens do that to Purdy. And I would be interested to see how aggressive this Lions defense is and, and bring the blitz, bringing guys, extra guys here, or maybe a corner blitz here. I, I It's going to be interesting to see how aggressive they are on the defensive side of the ball. I want to see the Stone Cold music hit before the game and then Sam Darnold gets announced as the QB1. Does Sam Darnold get a snap in this game? If they win by enough, we might get to see our boy. Our boy. Get, get a ring for our boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ring my boy. But uh, all right, let's let's get into picks. Uh, last game of the slate, so a little bit of a short episode this week. But again, just going to be dwindling down until baseball season, and or maybe even the Knicks make a big trade. But give me you you went first last time. I think it's only right that I go first here. Kind of gave my hand a little bit. Uh, my one point play is the Lions plus seven. I think it's way too many points. I I really see a world where the Lions can win this game outright. And if I'm catching this line and Debo Samuel is even out or 50% or 75%, I think I'm getting myself a deal here. So I'll take the Lions plus seven. And I think the 49ers could win and the Lions can cover. I think the Lions could win outright. And I feel very confident about it. Well, as much as I would like to flip you, I don't know if this is an emotional pick for me or if it's just a spread. And the fact that, you know, the catalyst of the Niners offense is in question and we don't really know what we're going to get from him. I think that's kind of like the biggest thing for me here. All that considered, it's just too high a number. So I have to assume that the Lions are going to make this a real game. I think there's going to be a fun game. I'm kind of glad that the the weather that you just mentioned kind of lends to the sort of game that we thought we were going to get from these two. And I just think seven's too many. So uh, in no way am I thinking about taking the Lions outright or anything like that, but I will side with you and take uh, my team for now, the Detroit Lions plus seven, two points. So the, so the real swing here, and it's it's a three-point swing either way, is the Ravens-Chiefs game. So you need yeah. you need the Ravens. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that I have the Lions with you and I have the Lions as my two-point play, I could lose an extra point there as well if we're both wrong. Well, the, the ideal weekend for you would be the Lions – I guess the Lions winning and I mean getting both your picks, obviously. Yeah. 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 Yep. So all right. Well, well, cause like last week you were we picked the same, so you were rooting against the your yeah, pick yeah. in a way. Yep. I had to so, root against myself. Yeah. Yeah. So best of luck for you. Again, the way we're gonna do this is whatever uh it results in at the end, we're gonna do a little bit of a final jeopardy round in terms of how much we're gonna risk and our pick. Uh so we'll definitely have more more to come there. A big week for us, big week for the NFL. Again, Knicks on Saturday in a big game against the Heat, which I'll say this for the rivalry week. It's it's definitely a real rivalry, the Knicks and the Heat. I think it's a definitely there's a history there and whatnot. So uh I'll I'll be very tuned into that game. But anything else before we get out of here? 
No, nothing else. Uh, enjoy the football. Enjoy your weekend and all that comes with that. Yep, and, and thank you all for listening as always. Follow us on all, all of our socials. We'll be back next week to recap this, talk some early, early Super Bowl matchup, early, early, uh, maybe some Knicks. So it'll be trade deadline coming in the next couple of weeks for the NBA. So a lot to cover. Thank you all for listening and peace out.